All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. We roll through Eminent Sports Leader TSN 1260. Happy Tuesday to you. Remember, the Gregor Show is always presented by PlayAlberta.ca. And you know what that means. On uh, Tuesdays, Lotto Max, $40 million up for grabs. And you want to drown your sorrows from an order's loss? Get yourself a ticket and uh, you could win. Something tells me that'll put you uh, in a good mood. Let's get to our big guest of the day now, brought to you by Silent Rides Charter Company, one of Alberta's premier bus charter companies with state-of-the-art motor coaches that safely take your team or group to their next destination. Go to silentrides.ca for more information. And uh, we are joined by a gentleman who is uh, going to the uh, third round of the playoffs in the NHL for the uh, first time in his career. He was 27th overall pick of the Tampa Bay Lightning back in 2016. Uh, was traded to the Rangers and then uh, moved to the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. And of course, uh, picked up a victory in six games over the orders. Brett Howden joins us. Howdy. Welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, Brett, um, you know what? You're you're only like you're 20. You just turned 25, but uh, man, you've, you've experienced a lot in, in your young career from you know being a first round pick, a, a few trades, and, uh, and now you, you get to the playoffs. And I know when you were in uh, in Moose Jaw, when you're the captain of your team, you know they talked a lot about you. You know your focus. You were an offensive guy, but as as a two way player, how how hard was it learning to be defensively responsible as an NHLer? Yeah, I think it. Uh, I think it took me some time for sure. Um, I think over the last two seasons, I've really kind of figured out how to adapt my game to to help a team. Um, I think my first couple of years, I was uh, I was young and I was uh, still trying to figure out uh, my way. And um, 
you know, I think I think that's where some guys kind of get in trouble is when they try to just stick with the same thing they've done their whole career. And I think I've gotten a lot of help over the years and uh, some realization to to change my game a little bit. And um, I think uh, the last few years has kind of been been showing um, how I can play and and can help a team. And uh, um, you know, it's it took me a few few years to learn, but I feel like the last couple of years it's uh, it's kind of shown. What have you picked up from uh, your your line mate Mark Stone during that time? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I haven't played with Stoney a bunch. I've played with him a little bit at the start of this year, and then obviously these playoffs. But um, and, and last year with all the injuries and stuff. But uh, yeah, I learned learned quite a bit from him. I mean, uh, he's uh, he's a special player. He's super easy to play with. And uh, when I'm playing with those guys, it's it's you know I I, I kind of know my role and. Um, you know, trying to use my speed and, and get in on the four check and um, get pucks back to them and, and kind of create some space for them. Because um, with those guys, when you get them the puck, they can kind of create something out of nothing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been great playing with him. Have you learned that you really have to celebrate more when you score a goal to match Stone's uh, exuberance when he scores? <laughs> Honestly, that is one thing I've learned. He, uh, he uh, he's he's pretty expressive. He uh, it, it's pretty cool though. He has a lot of fun yeah. with it. He's just a real emotional guy, and um, you know it's so cool to see him even when he's on the bench and someone's on the ice score and he's he's reacting the same way. So <laughs> pretty cool to see see a guy like that and and for him to be our leader, our captain. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's pretty sweet. But it Does naturally must just oh. get everybody else fired up, does it not? Like when you see your captain going like it's a goal and he's just fist pumping like every goal, it's like it's his first goal. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I mean. Like even when he's on the bench, he's doing the same thing. So I think for for all the guys to see that, it's just it, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, all he cares about is winning, and he and he cares so much about the team and about all the guys. Um, but yeah, it's pretty funny. I when I scored uh, I scored earlier this year in Calgary. And he came over, and that was that was kind of the first time I was playing with them. And he had his fist up for a high five, and I obviously I didn't really, I wasn't expecting that, and I I kind of missed it. I I was just going for the kind of the hug, and he was he was kind of like, "Come on, give me a high five. Like he, you know, he really wanted it. So now now I know when we score, and I'm on the ice with him. I have an open open palm ready to go. Hey, you know what? He's an amazing player, but what's with the knob on his stick? Like, do you guys give it to him like that? That's got to be how many, two or three rolls of tape on that thing? Yeah, he uses some some sort of special tape for that. It's I couldn't imagine using a knob like that. I mean, no. I, mean I, I think a lot of guys think the same way, but <laughs> for, him, for, for him, clearly it works. He, he's got a lot of feel with the puck, but I think he's always had – I don't know how long he's had a knob like that, but I think he's always had something pretty big like that. So uh, I feel like for me it would be pretty hard to feel feel your stick and feel the ice, but, I mean, obviously for him it works. Brett Howden joins us forward for the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights, of course, uh, getting set to take on Dallas in the uh, Western Conference Final on Friday. And, uh, Brett, of course, you know, you're an Alberta guy, uh, you know, played in Moose Jaw. Uh, you know, your brother was drafted in the National Hockey League. Hockey kind of runs in your blood. I know you're a huge fan of the game. And, uh, you know, your team just, you know, you get, you get the chance. And you were on the ice. You're going up head-to-head against, you know, two of the best players in the league. How did you, what did you guys do to have success to slow down the orders in, in quite a few of those games and specifically in the second periods of game five and six. Yeah. I mean, obviously that was one or a big thing that we were kind of, 
you know, keying in on going into the series is we obviously know the firepower they have with those two guys. Um, obviously, you know, they, I think I thought their other lines played well too, um, especially in the last couple games there. They really, really came on strong. But um, just with those two guys on the ice, especially at the same time, or even power play, we, you know, you, you kind of key your attention in a little bit more. Um, but you, you just, we just try to do what we can. We know how much speed that they bring and, um, when they're on the ice, they're attacking every time. They're not sitting back. So I thought our team did a really good job as the series went along um, of, of trying to contain them and um, trying to stay on top of them and, and trying to play them hard. Um, but then again, you, you look at the numbers they put up, they still find a way to to, to get uh, to get through. So um, it, was, it was obviously really – it was difficult, but – um, I thought all four lines and, and all, all pairs of our defense and obviously our goalie did well um, and, and sticking together through it. Joined by Brett Howden, uh, Vegas Golden Knights forward. Brett, you know, they, obviously every series has some ups and downs, but after the game where it looked like both kind of leaders of the defense, Petrangelo and Nurse, were going to be suspended or could be suspended, you know, what what is the conversation in the dressing room? Is it like, hey, guys, let's just wait to find out? Or like, what do, what do you guys talk about? Because that's a pretty big shift for, for any team missing out on their yeah. number one defenseman. Yeah, and for sure, especially those two guys, both team's top defenseman. So it was, yeah, I mean, I, I think there was just a little bit of talk in the room after just kind of waiting to see what would happen. We we're kind of wondering if, if something would happen to either one of them. Um, but then again, there's there's not much you can do. You just kind of have to move forward and, and not dwell on it because, you know, this is my first time in the playoffs, but it's crazy how quick the next game comes. So um, I think for us, we just kind of didn't want to let it bother us or affect us. Um, and I thought we did well of, of just pushing past it and not worrying about it. Um, right now for us, Ben Hutton, who got thrown in, um, played played so great for us uh, just coming into the fire like that. So um, I thought we responded well. As a young guy, this is, of course, uh, the first time uh, you've ever won a playoff series uh, in round one. Now, now you win round two. Um, how How's the emotional or, or controlling your emotions? How's that being? Uh, who do you talk to about that? Because uh, I, I got to assume, uh, you know, when you win the series, it's unreal. And, and the last series against Edmonton, especially the first four games, it was you guys dominate, then the orders dominate, then you dominate, then the orders dominate. Like you couldn't have had you know, much uh, more opposite ends of the spectrum. How have you handled it to, emotionally to try to stay even keel? Yeah, that is tough. I mean, especially for me, for my first time, I'm, I'm learning as I go here too. And the cool thing for me is I'm on such an experienced team with, you know, a lot of guys that have been through this already. Uh, this team has been to the conference finals uh, a couple times now. So, um, you know, obviously I've been kind of leaning on guys and just watching and reacting to, to how they are in the room. And um, we have such a, we have such a calm group. Uh, I feel like nothing really phases us and, and like you said, after even after game two, when we kind of got blown out there, um, you know, there there was no panic in the room. We we were ready to go for the next game. And for me, uh, like you said, like it's it's crazy. I mean, you go from one of the spectrum to the other. Just there's a lot of highs and lows. Even in a game, one game, there's there's so many ups and downs. So you just try to stay in the moment. And I think that's the biggest thing for me is I just try to stay in the moment and and worry about if it's in a game, worry about the next shift rather than worrying about uh, the end result. Your team has had some challenges uh, with with goalies being injured, and it just seems like every time another one comes up, it's like, oh, this guy will get the job done. This guy, the job done. So, what what is it about the the faith that you your group seems to have in your netminders, no matter who is in the pipes? Yeah, I, I honestly, that's something pretty special that we have is, is the 
it's crazy how many, you know, it's unfortunate with how many injuries we've had, but with the goalies that we have, it's, it's pretty special for us to feel confident in anybody who's going in the net. Um, I think you ask any player in the league when they have confidence in their goalie, it's a lot easier to play. So, um, we've been really fortunate with the guys that we have and, and for every guy going in, uh, to play the way they've been playing, it, it obviously helps us out a lot. Now, Brad, I know you're born in Calgary, but I think it's safe to say you probably consider Oak Bank, uh, Manitoba, more of, of home for you. And uh, how, can you kind of take me back to the first round in Winnipeg and you score two goals? Like, the, I don't know if you were a Jets guy growing up or not, but uh, how big was that? Was that the most exciting goals you've ever scored at the NHL? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure it was. Um, I mean, growing up, I would go to Jets games to watch, but I wouldn't say I was a big Jets fan just because um, I was such a huge fan of my brother and everywhere that yeah. he went and um, wherever he played, I was I was a diehard fan for that team. So uh, when he was with Florida and he would come to play the Jets, obviously I was I was always cheering for Florida. Um, so I, w- I would say I was just a huge Quentin fan. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you, you said it right. I think that was probably my – biggest moment in my career and probably one of my favorites um to be able to play playoffs there and in the whiteout after you know what's well, pretty crazy five years ago um i went to a the jets game uh in the whiteout they were playing vegas in the in the conference finals so yeah pretty pretty crazy how you know things <laughs> things change like that five years later i'm, I'm with vegas in the, in the playoffs against them so um yeah to be able to to do that there and and uh you know win that series with our team uh it was it was pretty special so what does it look like between now and your in your first game uh, the team schedule obviously some a little bit of rest and recovery yeah yeah right now it's uh i think that was huge for us uh just getting a couple days off here and then uh we'll be we'll be back at it and uh ready to go for friday uh, give me a quick scouting report on on Dallas. I don't. A, did you watch Game Seven last night, or are you that much of a guy who's scouting out to see who wins? Did you watch it, and uh, what do you make of the next uh, round opponent? Yeah, yeah, I was for sure watching it. Uh, I was, yeah, obviously, really curious to see who we were going to get. And uh, I think with Dallas, uh, what you see is what they get. They have a lot of firepower, a lot of speed, um, and uh, you know, for us, we played them few times this year and uh lost a couple times in overtime but um you know each game that we had with them was a you know it was a tight game and it was a it was a fast-paced game so um expect uh more of the same and uh, obviously a little bit uh, more amped up well brett uh, continued success uh, always good to catch up with you and uh, how often uh, do you and your uh, your moose jaw guys it's amazing how many players you and hunt and point and and, uh, and Noah, and of course Tanner's, you know, uh, so many guys in that Moose Jaw team, and you're all in the NHL. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty special. It's fun to, you know, whenever you play against them, it's always fun to catch up. And obviously, me and Greg's and uh, Tanner and you know Jaden Hobblegox, who was with San Jose uh, last year, uh, we all, we keep in touch quite a bit. Um, and you know, Greg's has uh, talked to me lots while we were playing the Oil. I know. You know that's his home roots, but uh, yeah, it's was, it was pretty fun to to be able to beat beat them and, and kind of give it to him a little bit about that. <laughs> well, Brett, uh, continued success. Always good to talk to you, man. Awesome. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. That's uh, Brett Howden. Uh, 
young Ford for the uh, Golden Knights. And uh, think about that. Five years ago, he's in the crowd in the White House, a huge Jets fan, and against Vegas. And now here he is going to the conference final after scoring two goals. And, you know, it wasn't his hometown. He's from Oak Bank. But the uh, the Jets were his hometown team. So always uh, always interesting stuff. And, um, you know, hey, give Vegas credit. To, you know, they're a team where they got lots of guys stepping up and, and playing in, in different roles, and which leads me to the interview uh, I had with Warren Fogel that we're going to run later on in the show. And, you know, Leon Dreisettle talked about how, you know, their, their team, they have to eliminate some of the mistakes. they they got to be harder at key times in games. And I think the orders have better depth now. And I think the challenge next year for the coaching staff is going to be empowering their depth guys and playing them a little bit more. We'll discuss that when we return to the Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Tuesday afternoon, we roll through the Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Get your tickets for $40 million for Lotto Max tonight. PlayAlberta.ca. Time now to go around the NHL, brought to you by McDonald's. Did you know every McDonald's quarter pounder with cheese starts with 100% Canadian beef? Spoiler, that's why it's so juicy and delicious. McDonald's. And uh, you know what's been juicy has been the uh, Ottawa Senators and the uh, sale and and all the people that were in uh, on bids. And, uh, you know, they had the Ryan Reynolds group. And, of course, they got Snoop Dogg. And then there was the weekend. And... Everybody's loving Ottawa, it seems. Now, uh, Remington and uh, Ryan Reynolds' group uh, backed out. Uh, they were hoping to have an exclusive window, and they didn't get it, so they are out. But, so what does that mean? Um, now teams had, there was the deadline. You got Now it's kind of put up or shut up, I guess, where, where they got to put in um, some, some money. And uh, my understanding is it's uh, not guaranteed. It's kind of like a, a small down de- uh, deposit. So uh, let's find out exactly where we're at on the sale of the Senators as we uh, welcome back to the program a good friend of the show from uh, TSN 1200, Sean Simpson, joins us. Uh, Simmer, I'm guessing in your city there's lots of talk. I don't know if there's been this much excitement since 07 when they went to the Stanley Cup final uh, for Ottawa. Uh, What's the latest on the sale? Well, yeah, no, no, I guess as you said, though, like this is just so unexpected. I mean, a year ago, Eugene Melnick passed away. Uh, There had been a lot of positive things done on and off the ice. The brand had been reinvigorated. Nothing had to do with his passing, but, you know, just with some of the drafting where it was cool to be a Sens fan, a total changeover in the jerseys and the stands. But I'll say a year ago, I would have never expected there to be this much interest. And from a dollar standpoint, it just kind of blows my mind. And so from that standpoint, it's just kind of like, Jason, hey, you look at this as a positive. I mean, you've got this much interest. They've done this properly. They've gone through the vetting. And you think 20 years ago, they were begging someone like Eugene Melnick to buy the team. So it is very promising for the Ottawa Senators, for sure. How much is tied into the, 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 the land deal? And how important is that to get this, this done for any prospective uh, ownership group? You know what, Jason, I, I, I look at that, and I guess it could be important, but I also go back to the simple fact of even when fire in all cylinders, the Ottawa Center's revenue is not going to be one of the tops in the National Hockey League. So if you're going to spend 900 or a billion U.S., you better love hockey. I don't know how much you're, or how much more you're developing. And, hey, you guys saw firsthand what it did in Edmonton. I worked with the Caps when we went to D.C. There's certainly stuff that will come on top of that, but I don't know that there's any real guarantees at this point. So as I said, I thought initially this was all tied in. When it first was done eight years ago, that was the local bid. And you had some commercial, you had some residential, you had the building itself. But right now, by the time you pony up that kind of dough, I guess you hope for it. Um, but as I said, you better be one 
big hockey fan. Yeah, 100%. So do you – is there a front runner? Uh, and, and I think it was Bruce Garriott had outlined the uh, the four – he thinks there's four groups bidding. Do you see yeah, one yeah. As, as a favorite at all, Sean? No, I, I really don't, guys. Like, And, again, I know there's been speculation initially with Ryan Reynolds. And one of the things I always try to explain to people, at least my interpretation, I know they keep thinking that the league is going to, you know, hey, the league helps you out the process. They'll tell you can't, who can't buy the team. But right now it's really in the hands of the Melnick family and the board. And as far as the bids, guys, it would just be all speculation. And then you kind of add in the celebrity side, which I guess is fun, but I can't imagine that that has any bearing. I thought Ryan Reynolds being added would have been nice after the fact, but at the end of the day, I think it's going to be quite simply, hey, who's got this kind of cash and what position are they in after the fact to continue to spend to be a cap team? And let's face facts here, again, for a city of just over a million people, uh, you're probably going to be stroking a check every year at the same time. How much does this ownership situation kind of... um slow down or maybe um, delay any decisions hockey-wise that maybe should be happening or could be happening the next little while? You know, it's interesting because I don't think we're quite at that point, but it's a great question. As we get towards the entry draft, you know, they had named – it's a very small thing, but it has been business as usual. You go back to last summer, and even their American League coach, they were saying he's coming back. They didn't necessarily say on DJ Smith, but if you look forward, guys, the big question is Alex Dabrinkit, and that may be decided by simply him not wanting to be here, but it's tough to tell. All I can say is that this year, it's Pierre Dorian certainly had free reign uh, to make moves, to add payroll, to do different things to try to accelerate the club, including taking on Jake Chicker and so I guess that's an answer I'm guessing that until this is officially sold then it's going to be business as usual do you think when the owner comes in will we see management or coaching change you know what, and that, that's another thing. I really have no idea. What's kind of unique in this process, and I've never heard of this, is that Pierre Dorian apparently has sat down with each of the ownership groups, and he described it as basically a job interview. Uh, what was strange at the end of the year, as Pierre Dorian is normally very bullish about DJ Smith, he didn't go down that road this year. And I thought at least if he was going to say, hey, if I'm back, DJ will be back, I think that leads to a lot of speculation just because it was so open-ended. But to really know both on the business side and the hockey side, who will be added, who will be here. And, you know, I, I mentioned Steve Steos' name in connection with a guy like Ann Lauer. I mean, you try to connect the dots on some of these people, but until someone purchases it, yeah, really, really tough to tell. DJ Smith's in an interesting position because a lot of times there's kind of the the – the holder of the spot while the team kind of digs out of the dumpster and then once it gets out they want a fresh voice whether that's fair or not that's you do see that quite often so in your opinion you know does does dj have more uh more or should he have more time with this team put put everything to the side does he just deserve it or should he could he use some more time with the team yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that in the four years, and you're right, this almost happens. You think back to Chicago when Joel Quenville came in. Uh, I think they could take this next level, both in management and from a coaching standpoint. This is my own personal opinion, uh, but I will say there was progress this year. The players appear to really like him, uh, but I also think there's an opportunity here to take this next level in the next you know, two to three years, and I'm not positive DJ Smith is a guy for that, but just my own personal opinion. Sean, what about the defense? Um you know, Ottawa is kind of like where I, I didn't pick Ottawa at the start of the season just because of their blue yeah. line. And until your blue line improves, it's, it's hard. When we saw what Ekholm helped in Edmonton, uh, and they still didn't get to the third round, even though I think their team is better than last year. But what yeah, what do you yeah. make of their defense? Um, how much changes? Uh, you know, is is Sanderson ultimately maybe going to be the guy who's more of the anchor of that blue line than Shabbat? 
Oh, absolutely. I think he's already got to that spot. Now, I still think Shabak can clean up his game and maybe going into a two-hole on the left side would work. But by the time you add Zub and hopefully a healthy Chickard and Branstrom has advanced and you slide in a veteran, it's certainly from a slotting guy standpoint. I, you know, I've been covering the team for 12 years now. It's the best it's been. You probably go back to 07. I'm not going to compare it to Redden and Chara, but at least went healthy on paper. And I think when the team's playing proper defense, they've never been in a better spot. But we still got to get more of a sample size of Jay Chickard. He only played 12 games. They went 5-7 and seven in that spot. But uh, even in Clevin coming in, there's a lot of promise here right now where it just seems to fit properly. And absolutely, Jake Sanderson is going to be a true number one in the National Hockey League. What about in the pipes? What, what happens with uh, Cam Talbot? Well, they'll end up letting him go, Jason, but that, that is, you know, and again, you kind of go back to Edmonton. Skinner had a great year. I'm sure he'll build on that, and you have the Jack Campbell situation. You know, right now it probably looks like it's Forsberg who comes back, and then you end up having Sogard as a backup. I don't see that necessarily being it, but at the same time, uh, you can only give up so many assets after the Matt Murray situation, after trading Gustafson. I don't know what else is out there. In a perfect world, would you like to have Forsberg and another good veteran goalie? Sure. Uh, who is that goaltender? Does he fit under the cap? What do you have to give up to get him? So that's certainly going into next year a major, major question mark for the team. Uh, Sean, one last one for you. Give me your thoughts on the uh, the four remaining teams. Florida, Carolina, who do you like, yeah. and then Dallas, Vegas. Well, you know what? I'll go with my heart out west. I'm just hoping Bruce Cassidy continue along. I'm so impressed. But what's not to like about T.P. DeBoer? Uh, and as well as Florida's played, so I'll, I'll take Vegas. But I understand even looking at their well, I know Aiden Hill played well against Edmonton. Uh, I look at Carolina and was really leery coming in that the lack of offense. But they're such a dog on the bone. And, and I appreciate where Florida's at at the same time. I think as long as they get some good goaltending from either Rant or Freddie Anderson, I'll go with Carolina and Vegas. But I'm saying that of heart in the west were probably Dallas on, on paper, but I just think Butchie's probably done some of his best work, and after getting let go in Boston, this is probably uh, probably some of his most gratifying work. Sean, great stuff, man. We, uh, any oh, One last one about the ownership. Is there is there a timeline at all on when they want this done? Well, again, when you want it done and when it will be done, and again, in a perfect world, I guess you'd have it wrapped up before the entry draft, but I know the National Hockey League just doesn't work that way. You're going to sift through this, I, and even that timeline, guys, I don't know. Like, you know, what's so rare in the National Hockey League in the past, you were begging for owners, you usually just had one guy. Now when you have four, I think that process will go pretty quickly. As to when it's ratified by the Board of Governors, an official sale sale, I think will be, probably be sometime in the summer, which again, for that, and kind of going back to D.J. Smith, uh, that's not a fun thing as a coach either, wondering whether you're not going to be back. As you guys know, the hiring period is pretty much at the draft itself. So there's some timelines there, but I think it's really tough to say other than I think word will leak up here pretty quickly, guys, uh, on as to exactly who is the team, and then, then they're going to get approval. Well, it'll be interesting to see it. I'm very curious about what the price point is going to be because if that price crazy, point happens, this is crazy. Oh, yeah. it yeah. is. It's nuts because yeah. that price point, and if you consider if Arizona gets a no vote today, yeah, I got to yeah. think Arizona's moving, and then uh, maybe their owner's like, well, here's the time to sell. Houston, somebody buy us, and uh, we'll get yeah. way more money than we thought we are going to get two weeks ago. 
No, at this point, he might be throwing the vote and realizing that he could send it to Houston for well north of that. So I wouldn't rule that out either. I mean, you're not going to make the money there that you'd be able to make it Houston or even, I know people aren't bullish on Atlanta, but yeah, I mean, this is, and kind of going back in history, this is always, I think, UG Melnick's dream was, you know what, it's not going to work here in Ottawa. Pretty good chance I could sell this thing off and make a real profit. And like I said, who would have thunk here in Ottawa? But from an Arizona perspective, you know, I'd be curious to see on the vote, boys. Yeah, I agree. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate your time. Okay, cheers, boys. Sean Simpson. Yeah, the like, I read Garriock's article today. One of the bids allegedly is a billion dollars. Now I know that includes, but still, unreal for Ottawa. And hey, you know what? Uh, good for them. So uh, his point about Arizona might be true. If if you're the Arizona owner, maybe you want to sell the team, and uh, you get the no vote. It's the easiest way you can tell your fr- your fans, we tried. But we don't have an arena, so I have to move. It's like the easiest solution and the most financially rewarding uh, for them if they want it. So uh, that vote today, uh, and, and honestly, if it's a no vote, the NHL needs to move them before next season. And there and there's available arenas. You can go to KC, you can go to Houston, but you cannot play. You can't start over again on a plan, okay, let's see what we can do. I just don't think there's an appetite. I've talked to uh, many other NHL executives from other, like, they're sick of it. They don't want to be basically funding Arizona, and the players don't like it because it's keeping down the salary cap because you got a market that's making zero money. It's losing money. So if that if that becomes a no vote, I'm sorry, Arizona, you can't say they didn't try, but you got to move. You don't have enough facility. Like, how can you not? Yeah, I'm with you. It's, I've said it for a long time. It's, it's, it's time. It's time. Like, it's, it's just, it's not working. Um, I don't know. If they get it done, I guess you obviously you stay, but if you don't, I think it's just time. Time to move on. Oh, 100%. Quick break. We'll come back. We've got five questions more on the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Gregor and Struts, Connor Halley with you. Hope you're having an awesome Tuesday. Remember, it's terrific Tuesday. Still, still upset about the loss. 50% off Papa John's Pizza today. It's always uh, nice. And go to playalberta.ca. I uh, I like to play a lot of Max. It's one of the uh, few things. You know, doesn't take a lot of skill. Just uh, I did read, and I understand numbers, that eventually your combination will come in. Now you might not be around to do it, but. So uh, <laughs> just play the same numbers all the time, Stratty. Eventually it's going to hit. You know, you win 100 bucks here or there. Great. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't even need the big 40 mil. Like, just give me one mil. I'd be fine with that. Totally fine. It's going to be one of the Lotto Maxes. That'd be great. So, see how it goes. See how it goes. Hey, boys, Kansas City Coyotes. I like the sound of that. And, yes, Coyotes are native to Missouri and Kansas from Bruce. Well, there you go, Bruce. Why not? <clears throat> hey, guys, what if what if Matthew says he wants to trade to Arizona? He might be the only one who can save it. Yeah, come on. Um Austin Matthews has been through heartache in Toronto for the last few years. I don't think he wants to go to Arizona where they're not even close. I get it's his hometown, but I don't, uh, I don't see that. Uh, now he did say the other day he wants to be uh, staying in Toronto, but uh, Matthew Kachuk said that at the end of this year press conference, as did Johnny Gaudreau last summer. So take it with a grain of salt, shall we say? Maybe a big grain of salt. Let's get to. A f- Five questions brought to you by The Brick. You can get the best night's sleep you deserve and get it sooner with The Brick's next day mattress delivery and save up to 50% off select mattresses and sets right now at The Brick and TheBrick.com. 
It's time for five questions on the Jason Greger Show. All right, guys, for all the comments made today by the Oilers, was there anything that stood out to you or a, a trend, I guess, that stood out to you from their players? Yeah, the trends seem to be that, you know, they, they have to, and we hear the big guys talk about just the little mistakes they have to correct, right, in their own zone. And that, that it, it seemed like it was a very popular thing to mention. Oh, yeah, death by a thousand cuts was uh, was an issue for the orders. And, you know, hey, if the player, I hadn't really heard that a lot all year long, and I think that's that's been an issue for this team for a while. It's not, now, saying it is one thing, and Drysaddle even said that. We can talk about it, but now you have to go do it. And it's going to start with the players. I think it's going to start with the coach. And here's the – I do wonder, Struddy, if like, hey, everybody has to evolve and grow. And sometimes as a coach, you got to hold your best players accountable at times. If they're if you're saying, okay, this is what we have to do and they're not doing it, well, then you got to show them. you got to get their attention somehow. So um, I'll, I'll be curious if we see something like that at one point last year. Doing it once – is no big deal. Strads, I'm sure you played on teams where eventually the coach had to single out one of your best players and say, hey, that's unacceptable. That's why you have to get them to buy in. You that, That's why you got to talk to them. Say, guys, this is what I think we need to fix. I need you guys to be on board. And you will be – everyone's going to be – the focus, the foc- uh, the oh geez, the, uh, the spotlight focus. will be on everyone at some point. Yeah. Easier for me to say. Question number two. Who's meeting in the Stanley Cup final? Man, I've given this a lot of thought. Ah, Florida, Vegas. Uh, I, yeah, Florida's the easier pick for me. I, like, I think Carolina has played arguably, has had like the two easiest opponents of each round. And I will say Vegas and Dallas is a coin flip, so I'm going to pick Dallas in seven because if it goes seven games, Pete DeBoer never loses in seven games. He's 7-0 and in game seven. Question number three. A lot of nice jobs opening up in the NBA for head coaches. If you were Nick Nurse, hypothetically, the 76ers, Suns, and Bucks all threw you an offer, what would you prefer? 76ers, the Bucks, and the Suns. Oh, jeez, those are three really good choices. <laughs> I yeah. would... I think I would choose the Bucks. Giannis just seems like a dream player to coach. He's your superstar. Not much of an ego. Um, they've won. It's been a few years, so they'll be hungry to want to win again. I'll go with the Bucks because I have no faith in the 76ers. I think it's too much drama there. And uh, Phoenix is old, man. Paul and, and Durant, eesh, I'm not sure they can get it done in the West. Yeah, I'm with you. I would go one, Bucks, two, Suns, three, 76ers. And I like Joel. He's a player, but I don't know. I think it's uh, it's pretty easy to go with the Bucks. Question number four. I'm sure you guys saw Aaron Judge taking a glance to the dugout potentially before he went yard against the Jays. Was he being tipped off? You know, I don't watch a ton of baseball, but I've watched enough over my life. Uh, been to games live, obviously watched them on TV. And I don't remember ever seeing a player looking to the bench or to the dugout. So it does seem a little bit crazy. Did, you know, what was he looking there for? Um, so, I, but I don't know that he was cheating. But it, it is very irregular. So if he's looking into the bench, and the Yankees have picked up on something that they're seeing, what's illegal about it? That's what I understand here. 
So if somebody in the Yankees – now, unless you're saying they have a video, but let's say the coach has been watching, and that's what you're supposed to do. If you, I don't care if you're in, in football and you know what play the other team's coming, you'll announce it, right? You're not just going to be – if your defensive coordinator is singling from the sidelines, hey, they're suddenly going to be, you know, watch for the sweep. Well, geez, we can't do that. So if he looks in the dugout and they're like, hey, fastball is coming, now where do they get it? That's the question. That would be my question. But if, if, if they just picked up on something, you're allowed to do that. That's not illegal, is it? No. Also, that pitch was, I mean, you can't leave that for Aaron Judge. The guy's a beast. Uh. Yeah, like I don't know how they're <laughs> going to predict. Hey, guys, he's going to throw this one right in the heart of the plate. Can you hit it? Okay, coach. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it wasn't like it was the best pitch by the pitcher. No, I think I think it was like five straight sliders they threw too. So, yeah, maybe he picked up on that one. Final question for you guys today. Corey Perry celebrates his birthday, the two-time Olympic gold medalist and Stanley Cup champion, known for playing on the edge and probably hated by some NHL fans around this continent. Who was a player that you love to hate more than the rest? Well, when I was a kid, I thought Neil Sheehy was the biggest gutless puke on the ice. So, yeah, I guess uh, I guess Neil Sheehy. I'll even say, you know what, as as a professional broadcaster for many years, I thought Rasmus Anderson was the biggest pretender going. And I still do. I'm having a trouble, but yeah, he, he is. You've brought him up many times, actually, Griggs. Um, I hate like, he's just a pretender to act all tough in the ice. This guy wouldn't fight his way out of a wet paper bag. God, it's annoying. And I might be, I have a feeling I've got the name wrong. I, I want to say Neymar, but it was a couple World Cups ago, and this guy was diving all over the place. Remember, he was rolling like crazy? I might be wrong with Neymar. I, I, I think it might have been. Well, so just wait. You're picking out a soccer guy that's ro- shreds. You have to be a little bit more specific here. Yeah, well, I think it's that's fairly general. Hey, there's a soccer guy I didn't like because he was diving. Yeah, I need no more I, information. Well, I generally hate anyone, any soccer player that dies excessively. Like I, I understand. Yeah, it's been explained to me that sometimes you know they all they dive so they can have a break, um, and I get that because it's too hot. I get it, but I think it was Neymar. Remember he was taking those extra rolls, rolling all the time. I'm pretty sure it was Neymar, two World Cups ago. So I'm gonna go. I'm going with Neymar. Conrad, who you got? Couldn't be easier. Although in the last couple of years, I've liked him a little bit more just because he's funny on social media, even though probably not him, uh, Tom Brady. And it's strictly out of jealousy. Yeah. It's just too good. Strati, you were right. I think it was Neymar against Mexico, was it not? And I think they, I think made, the whole, they made the whole meme about it. Yeah, he was just, just dying. He just, just flopping around all over. It was unbelievable. I don't like the the. Uh... I like this one, Gregor. I don't know what you're thinking when you decide to have a Golden Knights player on an Edmonton sports show. You think anybody wants to hear what that uh, had to say? It's the worst segment ever. So stupid, John from Humboldt. <laughs> um, oh, John, you're always entitled to your opinion. Um, you know what? Uh, we wanted to get some players on that are still in the conference final. Um, I know Brett, so. I uh, reached out to him. He was uh, he was happy enough to do it. Uh, we've had Oilers players on. We'll have more Oilers players on um, today. 
uh, we had lots of other people that enjoyed the segment. So appreciate the feedback. Not everybody's going to like it. If everybody likes the show, it's not a good show. Hey, Strata, you're bang on. Neymar, uh, nine rolls on one foul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I've really softened my stance on the on the diving. Like, I, I, I think it, people explain to me, but I, no, when it's excessive I like that, I just can't. I can't get behind it. I'm sorry. I just too much. Well, quickly, Strauss, before we let you go, uh, lots of text and questions regarding the Oilers' D-zone coverage from man-to-man to zone. Do you think it would be better? Is that a change you would make next season? Well, I think you're going to have a blend. Like, I always like to play where, you know, the first – so the D-man's on it, and you're kind of – that's zoned one. And then there's a, a layer behind where the centerman comes in, and whoever comes into that area, that's like zone two. And then everyone kind of has their area they, they cover. So it's it's – it's a blend of zone where you're you're kind of know where you're supposed to be, but once you're in that area, that's your guy. That's your guy, and you stay with, kind of stay with him. Um, but that requires quite a bit of thinking and, and kind of sorting it out. Whereas man on man, you kind of stay with your guy, and I don't think there's anyone that really plays a true man on man because that can get a little complicated as well. But I I I would, I would call it a hybrid is what I like, right? I I like that idea of the zone. Uh, everyone kind of just you have your area depending if you're the second guy, and now you're the second guy, right? That's how I like playing that way. Stratty, have yourself a wonderful Tuesday evening. Enjoy the the Lakers and the Nuggets. Looking forward to that series starting uh, tonight. We will chat with you at Demay. Can't wait. See you guys. Uh, also, the uh, NBA draft lottery. Like for hockey fans, they're all like it was the Connor Bedard lottery. Well, when by Emma. That's a pretty big lottery win tonight uh, in the NBA. So uh, that is coming up uh, later on tonight. I'm very intrigued to see what happens. Toronto has a chance if you're a Raptors fan, albeit small, but you're telling me there's a chance. We'll see what happens. Let's get to uh, Connor Halley Sports Center update brought to you by Edmonton Kubota. Their zero turn mowers are built for professional mowing results, durability, and comfort. They're ready to tackle any terrain while keeping you comfortable. Get yours now at edmontonkubota.com.